Okay, so welcome back to Bottom Shelf. I'm Maeve. And I'm Sophia. This week, we're going to start by talking about, I guess, a news item, but also sort of a political item that hits close to home, probably for a lot of our listeners. We're talking about the House voting to defund, or at least to freeze funding for Planned Parenthood on Friday. Right. Key thing, though, is that does not mean that Planned Parenthood is defunded or even close to being defunded, still has to get through the Senate. And And Obama has explicitly said that he will veto any bill that comes to his desk um, planning to defund Planned Parenthood. Um, Now, I think the issue with this has been going around that a lot of people are talking about is what does Planned Parenthood actually do? What are their primary uh, resources that they offer to people? And I know a lot of people, there's been some sort of viral videos going around, and the conclusion has been that Planned Parenthood really focuses on methods of contraception, help for people who um, have sexually transmitted diseases, and primarily resources for people who don't have access or funds to go to a different type of doctor for this kind of help. Right. Um, So Elizabeth Warren is someone who's taken a really strong stance on this issue and firmly believes against defunding Planned Parenthood. And um, if you don't know who she is, she is a Democratic Democratic senator from Massachusetts. And we're going to play a clip of her addressing the Senate about uh, the issue of Planned Parenthood. The Republican scheme to defund Planned Parenthood is not some sort of surprised response to a highly edited video. Nope, the Republican vote to defund Planned Parenthood is just one more piece of a deliberate, methodical, orchestrated right-wing attack on women's rights. And I'm sick and tired of it. Women everywhere are sick and tired of it. The American people are sick and tired of it. So in the video she talks about, or in the clip that we just played, she talks about um, the misleading videos that were made and about how I think that more because this is is not necessarily going to lead to Planned Parenthood being defunded, but I think it just says a lot about where um, a lot of politicians are ideologically. And exactly, how, the fact that it's being considered. Right, and how we're seeing like a really big... Um, Harkening back to far, far more conservative days um, to even be considering defunding Planned Parenthood. And so I think a lot of the issues that are coming up with um, the recent arguments about Planned Parenthood in both the House and the Senate are, as Elizabeth Warren was talking about, related to the amount of control that a woman has over her body and what decisions are a woman's own personal decision. And these are topics that have been tackled not just by politicians, but by people in all walks of life. And somebody that Sophia and I really like is Amy Schumer. Um, And we decided we wanted to introduce more comedy. And she does a lot of um, comedic pieces that really focus on social issues. Yeah, a lot of um, women's issues in particular. Uses uh, satire to really skewer the disparities of today, mm-hmm. the injustices, the inequalities. And so we are, um, we're now going to play one more clip for you. Um, this is Amy Schumer's, um, 
one of her comedic videos where she talks about birth control. And this is from her, this is a clip from her show, Inside Amy Schumer. Yes. So one of her sketches. You live a busy life. The last thing you want to have to worry about is your birth control pill. That's why we're introducing Orthoestrin, a new low-dose daily birth control pill with little to no side effects. Ask your doctor if birth control is right for you. Then ask your boss if birth control is right for you. Ask your boss to ask his priest. Find a Boy Scout and see what he thinks. Tap a mailman on the shoulder. Sorry, I didn't mean to startle you. Um, Tell him you didn't mean to startle him. Then ask him if birth control is right for you. Put it online and see how many likes it gets. Come on. Ask an old black man and an Asian boy playing chess in the park. Can I start this new birth control? Then ask them how they became friends because there has just got to be a story there. I'm trying to get birth control and I'm Ask someone who just got one of those cochlear implants and is hearing for the very first time. Yeah, but can, can I get birth control? Ask Jeeves. I'm supposed to ask you too. Ask your mom's new boyfriend. Then ask the Supreme Court. Finally, ask yourself why you insist on having sex for fun no refills i have to go through all this again next month yep see you then to continue on to our next topic which is also in the theme of women's health women's issues and women's bodies last week we said we were going to talk about rape culture this week and rape culture on college campuses where it comes from and so we want to start out by talking about Lady Gaga's new song. Yes, uh, and specifically the music video that accompanies her yes. new song. Um, very powerful music video. Um, hard to watch. I was literally in tears watching this video. Yeah. Um, it's the, the song is called Till It Happens to You, and the video is produced... Um, I believe, in cooperation with a documentary called The Hunting Ground, mm-hmm. which focuses on rape and sexual assault on college campuses across the U.S. Um, and this something that this video really, the, that, that this documentary really highlights is that one out of every five college women will be raped this year. And that's a, that's a huge statistic. Um, yeah, and I mean, that's like a harrowing statistic. That's, yeah. You know, really, yeah, massive, 20%. Of college women. Which is concerning, I think, for everyone, not just students in college, but for parents, brothers, sisters, relatives, anyone who has any stake in our nation's women, which should be absolutely everyone. Yeah, it's I think a really that's, concerning statistic. That's a good way of putting it because I think it's easy to disassociate from numbers like that, you know, even if you, even if you are a college student, I think it's yeah. easy to think, you know, it's probably the message of the song, you know. Well, I think the other thing is that a lot of college students at our university included would hear that statistic and think, oh, well, that's the national average. That's probably not what happens on my campus. And the real issue here is that even if you hear about one or two reports of sexual assault on your campus, those are only the reports that went public and reported. That's not uh, even marginally representative of the number of women who experience this kind of trauma on your campus. And you probably know somebody right. who has been through it and hasn't taken it public. Yeah, I think the key thing there is that, you know, you have firstly like a fraction, a very small portion of women even tell another person that they were sexually mm-hmm. assaulted. And then even a smaller proportion of those that do tell somebody report it and an even smaller amount of those um, you know, choose to take some sort of 
action against their attacker. So you really, exactly. you're getting, like, the smallest and of small portion. a lot of that issue, um, that issue is addressed in this documentary, The Hunting Ground, because the idea for this film started with the problem that a lot of university and college administration administrations are encouraging women to stay silent because it looks bad for the university when they have um, lots of sexual assaults and rapes occurring on campus and just in their student body. And so this has been an issue that's uh, been in the media a lot because um, rather than supporting victims, college administrations and deans were encouraging them to stay, to stay silent and not take their story public. And um, that's what I really like about Lady Gaga's new song is, first of all, Lady Gaga is amazing. Her vocals are absolutely incredible. Yes, truly. Um, yeah, I think the interesting thing about that video is that I had watched it the first time, you know, watching the video, listening to the song, first time I'd ever heard the song. Uh, and I think that you really get caught up in what is like a very disturbing uh, visual presentation. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, though it is like a really beautiful song, I at least wasn't quite paying attention to it. But then you had watched it on your computer and I was just hearing the song. And, you know, besides having like a powerful message, it does really showcase Lady Gaga. And Lady Gaga is someone insane who has tackled a lot of social issues and women's issues. Yeah. And um, also the thing, too, with this is that Lady Gaga has spoken out about, um, you know, being raped by a record producer when she was 19. So this is like yeah. a very personal thing for her. And I think it's great that she, as someone in the spotlight, firstly is able to like speak openly about that, but especially in such a public forum and then channel that experience and that trauma into something that I, you know, hopefully is helpful to some people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, in that uh, trend of thought, we're now going to talk about where does rape culture start? Because you hear so much talk in this term rape culture. What is rape culture? How does rape culture come to college campuses? And I think something that's important to really think about is that rape culture doesn't start on college campuses. You don't step onto college for your first day of freshman year and instantaneously you're enveloped in this culture of sexual assault and rape. Rape culture is really something that starts um, a lot earlier and something that I've been reading a lot about lately is how rape culture starts with the way that we learn about sex when we're young and how we talk about sex growing up and that really there is an issue with the way both of those things are conducted. Right, which is something that, on one hand, maybe it's reassuring to say, like, parents or loved ones of college students that it's not as though you step foot onto a campus and just because you're around people your own age, you're suddenly attacking each other. Um, but I think, it, you know, it's even more insidious is that it truly starts at a very young age and it's something that's prevalent in, you know, school systems. It and goes right down to, like, sex ed classes. Exactly. Let's talk about sex ed classes for a second because um, – I had a co-ed sex ed class, but I know that a lot of high schools and even oh, really? middle schools have single sex. Yeah. Well, sex there's ed certainly, classes. there's like, you know, you have like the um, regular sex ed class and then you also have like the abstinence until marriage class. Did you have that distinction? No, I didn't. Have oh, that. you didn't have a choice. Well, see, there's that too, which is like you have classes where some just like don't even talk about, about sex. sex. Yeah. yeah. And I think... Um, you know, the issue that there are separate topics about sex for men and women or girls and boys. Like in high school, when you're separated into boys and girls to talk about different things related to sex, that um, really separates the issue and takes away the idea that this is a communal thing or a shared right. thing that we need to talk about together. And that 
I think translates into sort of locker room jargon or dorm jargon for boys and that kind of thing. And the, t- the terminology often associated with sex um, is like is baseball, is the game of baseball and you're scoring. Right. You know, I was like middle school, the whole idea of did you go to first base, exactly. did you go to second base, that kind of thing turns it into like, a, kind of competition. Like a conquest. Exactly, competition. a conquest situation. Yeah. Um, and it really shouldn't be this way because sex is something that should be equal right. for both people involved. And it really, I think that terminology really takes away, like, the agency from the female, you know? It's exactly. Not, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, it should be treated as, like, like, a shared The female is, like, has, thing. like, the treasure chest, and the male is right trying to find the treasure or whatever and get yeah. her to relinquish it, which is a horrible, analogy. horrible analogy. And so something that they've recently instituted talking about on our campus and also, I think, uh, is from a TED Talk that we'll post the link to, is the idea that we need a new analogy yeah. and that um, a really good analogy for talking about sex is pizza. A great analogy. And by the way, very new, as in I don't think when we were freshmen. Oh, no, this is just the same. I had just heard this. about this. So Fantastic. the analogy with pizza, as was explained to me by someone who works um, for a sexual assault uh, like victim resource office on campus, she said the thing about pizza is that Pizza is not a competition. You can't win with pizza. When you order a pizza with somebody, um, the whole point of it is for both of you to get equal enjoyment out of eating the pizza. And when we talk about pizza, the first thing is you're not going to order pizza with somebody if they're not hungry or they don't want pizza. So before you order pizza, you have to check with the other person to see if they're hungry for pizza. And then the analogy continues to say, you know, you have to ask your partner, what do they like on their pizza? Some people like specific things on their pizza. Some people have things that they really don't like on their pizza, and it's important to really open the discussion. And this analogy is so important when talking about sex because it's so important to be able to discuss sex yes. openly and also and also with your partner. I think in our society it's sort of a taboo thing. Like, oh, totally. And I think that like definitely breeds into like issues of consent, you know? Like, yeah. You're not having people that are, you know, both checking before and even during like, yeah. to see, like, are you okay with this? How are you feeling about this? Um and I think that the pizza analogy really, like, opens up conversation. I think it's a brilliant analogy. You know? And, real, uh, yeah, like, really removes the taboos. Like, it's like it makes sense, you know. Like, if you're, like, eating a pizza, you're not going to force somebody to eat a pizza or yeah. keep eating a pizza. You and know? just, like, the idea that this is a shared experience that you need to make sure um, is enjoyable and acceptable to both For people both involved. People. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I really like that analogy. I think it's really great. I think I, it's excellent. Everyone should share it with everyone they yeah, know. Yeah, share the pizza analogy. Who doesn't? Sh- share the pizza Who doesn't want to talk about pizza? Um, and so then another, um, I think sort of inherent issue that's maybe even before sex ed classes is the idea of dress code issues. Yes. And I know, you know, I've been reading a lot of articles. Um, I read one sort of blog post from a very angry father who said his five-year-old daughter was uh, forced to change out of her outfit at school what? because she was wearing a floor-length sundress, but it had spaghetti straps. And he was talking about how when we are telling boys and girls at a very early age that the way girls dress influence influences the way that boys can pay attention in class or the way that boys perceive them. And if five-year-olds are being told that spaghetti straps are unacceptable, then that's the kind of thing that's really starting a culture and an expectation that when when girls and women are wearing something like spaghetti straps, that it's for like men's. It's you know, to get attention. It's soliciting soliciting attention. Right, and I think that again is like removing agency from women. You know that it's like you know that it's all about the man and how they interpret your outfit. Exactly, and that like 
or like things with like people not being able to wear like leggings or yoga pants or whatever to class yeah because it's like distracting which for is such boys. a stupid thing because if you ask any girl what's the most comfortable pant in the world it's probably sweatpants or yoga pants yeah and to tell them that hey you can no longer wear yoga pants to school and be comfortable with what you're wearing for eight hours a day because guys are going to be looking at your ass and they're not going to be able to do their algebra homework that's stupid and that's a problem um on on so many levels. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like you're valuing, you know, guys' education there, or and also removing, you know, like as though like guys are just you know sex machines and they can't just like you know calm down and sit down for an algebra class. Yeah, like, and that women are really girls need distraction. To, like, yeah, exactly. So it's a little ludicrous, but yeah, certainly it's like you have this whole culture. Various components are feeding into just like a very distorted view of sex that I think is truly leading to like some very serious issues. Tell me how the hell could you know? How could you know? Till it happens to you, you don't know how it feels. How it feels. Till it happens to you. Now we're going to move towards more of a later pop culture section and talk about selfies. Yes, uh, we're going to talk about selfies. We're going to do a quick poll between um, Maeve and I. So Maeve, if you could just pull out your phone. So I, I've put a mild amount of forethought into this episode. Okay, so do you have the new update? Um, yeah. Okay, for people who don't know, on the iPhone newest update, is it iOS 9? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Your photo is now create a folder called selfies. Do you have that? On I don't even have that folder because I don't. You have don't selfies. even have a folder. See, here's what I was gonna do: is I was gonna be like, now open up your phone, look at photos. Let me just many... take a selfie really quick and see if it goes to my folder. Okay. No, I don't have a selfie folder. I also don't have any selfies on my camera roll. Oh my god! See, I was gonna. This is horrible. I maybe am regretting doing this segment. Here's what I was gonna say: is that we are gonna compare the number of selfies that we have taken based on that folder number. Um, so now I will not say how many. No, I think you, I think this is a good discussion. Okay. Well, Maeve has zero. I have three hundred selfies that um, my phone has organized into one folder for me, very conveniently. Thank you, iPhone. Uh, Thank you, also, Apple. here's the thing: is that I had a separate folder before this update that was just called Vanity for me to compile all of my selfies for potential future use. Here's the thing. We have to talk about this. I actually just, this is just a therapy session for me. (laughs) I've read a lot of articles about the psychology behind people who post selfies. And I think it's split between either you're a severe narcissist or you have, you know, you're seeking affirmation from others, have low self-confidence. My question is what about the people who take a bunch of selfies and don't post them? I think that's an interesting conundrum. Possibly, as I'm saying this, it's just revealing an extreme level of narcissism within me. Um, But, anyways, that just brings us... I think the point of that is to say that selfies are prevalent in all people's lives, except for Maeve's, apparently. Um, Sort of unbelievable. You've lived your life without taking a selfie. I think here's the issue, is that I am not photogenic, 
and I in no way I don't think that is enjoyment out of taking photos of myself because I feel like photos that I'm taking of myself are worse than uh, candidates that people have taken of me. Oh, really? Um, See, I feel the opposite. I feel like the only, the true, like, person, the only person that I trust to, to take, take a, a photo, photo of myself is myself. This could just, you know, go to my real lack of knowing how to work my angles or, like, take a good selfie. No, but I think that's a, you probably. I also just don't think I ever take selfies. It's not like I take them and then delete them. I just, you, I just, I truly think you just don't take selfies. I just you on Snapchat, I just but I think that's oh, yeah, so yeah. people Snapchat can see for your sure. face. Yeah. Not like, <laughs> yeah, um, okay, anyways, the point is, is that selfies, most people take them, um, but an interesting theory that I am, you know, fleshing out and developing, maybe someone else has already written about this, but I have researched it and I don't think they have, is that I think selfies say a lot about uh, beauty standards and what um, features and standards of beauty you uphold. Because mm-hmm. the thing about a selfie is that you have full control over your appearance because the idea is that you're seeing the photo that you're taking. And you so, always want to show yourself in the best best light. light. Exactly. So, you know, you have people that will take, like, the angled selfie, um, you know, like, where their cheekbones are especially accentuated. Or, um, you know, you have, like, the downward selfie, so everything is kind of narrowed on your face. Um, so I feel like there are two camps of different selfies. You have the, down, like, the high-angle selfie pioneered by the likes of, like, Kim Kardashian. Nicki Minaj is known to do it. A lot of models. You have, like, Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. photos of her with, like, Carly Kloss and selfies. They're all sort of, their faces are in one direction, chin down type finding of thing. Finding the light. Yeah, finding the light. But also you see that, like, their noses are more thin, their cheekbones are higher. There's less of an emphasis on lips. Mm-hmm. Mostly you get kind of like a um, upside-down pyramid sort of shape with the head. Because the way that, like, the iPhone lens works is that the close, whatever is closest to the lens is seeming Sensitive. bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. But then you have the less common... Uh, low angle selfie which is taken like you know the chin and the lips are like the prominent part of it Mm -hmm. taken by the likes of rihanna solange Knowles. um and my theory is that the low angle selfie which tends to like accentuate the lips and flatten the nose uh tends to kind of uphold beauty standards that are typically seen in minority women um Mm-hmm. Whereas you have like the high angle selfie, which is like thin nose, high cheekbones, upholds like anglicized beauty standards. I I mean I I really like the idea that certain celebrities are really trying to promote different types of beauty standards with their selfies. I mean I obviously don't know a whole lot about selfies, but I think that's an important thing because you know another topic that I think people talk about a lot is. Um, especially young girls who um, are black or Hispanic or Native American, really trying so hard to fit into the Mm -hmm. standard Anglo-Saxon beauty standards. Right. So I love the idea of really promoting what it means to be beautiful. Oh, yeah. um, To yourself, to your culture, Mm -hmm. just in general. And I think, I I like the idea that the selfie can play into that. Yeah, and I think that, like, what is happening is, like, you know, I think the big question that I would like to do more research on is, are certain people, like, inadvertently perpetuating this, like, you know, mm-hmm. one white beauty standard? Because you have people, like, Nicki Minaj will take the similar, like, high-angled selfies, like Kim Kardashian, um, and it's, you know, really very few people take low-angled selfies. Um, 
And yeah, I just think that that is an interesting idea. I want to flesh out more. Yeah. Listeners, let us know what you think. Yeah, Which do you, do you prefer? When you're when taking a selfie. Angle? Yeah. What do you do? Yeah, like Give what? me some tips. Maybe I'll start taking selfies. Yeah, give me some tips. Um, nobody give me any tips because clearly I have a problem. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. So that's that. Um, we're going to sort of continue with our pop culture theme and talk about new music. A lot of new music has come out. Um, fall music. Very recently. Fall music. Also, just want to say I'm so happy that it's finally starting to feel like fall here in D.C. I yes. can now leave my apartment um, and not be instantaneously dressed and drenched in sweat. And you can really go out for a jog or work out any time of the day instead of having to get up literally before the sun so it's not miserable. Yes, that has been Maeve's experience. Ugh, so happy that I am fall. always drenched in sweat, though, regardless <laughs> of what I'm doing, regardless of the temperature. Be, you know, just be confident with yourself. Oh, I'm Demi Lovato yeah. has now told yes. us. Here um, we go. New song. New song. Demi Lovato just uh, released a song, a single called Confident. And when she's talking, first of all, it's a great song. It's very catchy. It's got some brass in it. I really like it. Or synthesizers. Hard undecided. to say. Yeah, undecided. But when she talks about this, um, I really like that she talks about um, wanting fans to understand her journey and her story and her struggles. And Demi Lovato is someone who has struggled a lot with body image. And if you look at photos of her lately, she literally is walking around in almost nothing but underwear and lingerie and, like, leather strappy. Yeah, good for her. And, you know, with this song, she's really talking about feeling comfortable enough in her own skin, um, you know, going from hating every inch of her body to really being comfortable doing a photo shoot in her underwear or getting on stage and showing off her body that's not... That, I mean, she's in amazing shape, but it's not the typical, she doesn't have a model body. She's not Kendall Jenner, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and being comfortable with it. And um, that's really what the song is about. It's catchy. It's great. New fall anthem, start of school. Now it's really the beginning of the semester, but continue to be confident all through the semester, I think, is her message. <laughs> through all four seasons, be, be confident. confident. Yes. Um, someone else who put out a new song, my favorite, Selena Gomez. Yes. Uh, same old love. Yes. It's um, a, it's a, I don't know. I mean, it's like an okay, it's not like my cup of tea, but I'm not the biggest Selena Gomez I think fan. both of the new songs that she's put out, um, Good For You and Same Old Love, when I first heard them, like, if you had played them for me and not told me who they were by, I would have had no idea they were by Selena Gomez. So I think mm-hmm. this is sort it's really of a, branching out. Yeah, I think she's branching out. And it's interesting because this is a comparison I made to Sophia earlier, but Selena Gomez, one of her very best friends is Taylor Swift. And people were talking a lot about Taylor Swift really branching out and going in a whole new direction with her past couple of albums Mm -hmm. from her initial sort of poppy country sound. Mm -hmm. And I think, I find it ironic because when we listen to Selena's new music versus her old music, there's such a stark difference. And the maturity in Good For You, she's literally posing naked or wearing like a white t-shirt in a shower in the music video. Um, and then in this new song, Same Old Love, she said she swears, whereas Taylor Swift's new music, and they talk about her being more mature, uh, yeah. has nothing like, you know, asking Taylor Swift to do something scandalous, but just that they have two very yeah. different forms right. of, uh, of maturity. And so Same Old Love, yeah, interesting sound, new sound for her, pretty catchy. Mm-hmm. She's revealed it's not about Justin Bieber, oh. and she wants people to really think about different types of love, okay. not just romantic love when they listen to this song. So, you know, next time you listen to it, think about that. Yeah, don't 
Don't think everything's about Justin Bieber, guys. But it is. He but most also put out a new song. <laughs> but most <laughs> things are about Justin Bieber. Uh, well, here's the thing: is that um, I don't know. Justin Bieber was, has been a very unlikable person. I'm not <laughs> saying he's currently likable. Mm. Um, I've just recently have really felt like he's not really made a bad song. You know, no. I don't know if that's a controversial opinion. Justin Bieber is... I like his music. I gotta be honest. No, I love his music, is what I've concluded recently. <laughs> I think before I probably, like, rolled my eyes at him, and then he was just, like, doing some, like, weird stuff, like, getting convicted of various crimes for the past couple <laughs> yeah. of years or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Street racing, drag racing. Right, or, like, a monkey, or, I don't know, things with, like, monkeys and prostitutes and street racing. I don't know. Um... But I look. I don't actually. I don't like Justin Bieber. I like his new song. What What do you mean? Is that what's called? What do you mean? Yeah. Um, his music video is horrible because Justin Bieber is just such a tiny, like a little man, and it's sort of gross to look at him. And he like frequently has his shirt off, but he's so small. You know, he's like mm. he just seems like it's such a slender frame. At least he's being confident. Well. I don't know. With Justin Bieber, it seems like that's more of, like, a lack of confidence, and he's just, like, constantly, like, trying to... Overcompensate. Yeah, he's, like, truly overcompensating. You know, he's, he's a like, little like, guy. It's like, he's, it's like, you don't notice so it. Small. You don't think about it. He's so small, and his hair is horrible. Mm-hmm. My favorite looks of Justin Bieber is when he's wearing as many layers as possible <laughs> and wearing a baseball hat with a hoodie covering it. That's the best Justin Bieber. Firstly, it bolts him up. You don't see his hideous hair, and you don't see his gross, like, little man muscles. That's horrible of you to say. I'm so sorry, but, like, if you watch the news, it's just like you're like, mmm. Yes, like, okay, we're not going to discriminate against little men. Okay, I'm not, I wasn't discriminating against all little men. I was just Justin Bieber. Just Justin Bieber. If you're going to be famous and put out songs, don't be little. Well, no, you can be little. I'm saying put on a lot of layers, wear <laughs> a lot of clothing. And don't then- look little. And then I won't have the problem. Okay, are you, well, you're smaller than me, so maybe this isn't. I feel slightly offended. Um, it's not a generalization about small people. Uh, now we're. <laughs> I think we should quit while we're ahead and go on to talk about Lana Del Rey's new album. But I just to clarify, I do like Justin Bieber songs, and his talent is really all which matter, not the state of his body. You know, True. exactly. I'm. This is a double standard. Here I'm upholding like women's body confidence, and I'm bashing Justin Bieber's body. <laughs> and I'm sorry. You can't win. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay. Yeah, Lana Del Rey. So Lana Del Rey released her new album, Honeymoon. Um, I'm an avid fan of Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy her. My sister and I went to see her concert in Phoenix over the summer. Shout out to my sister. Hope you're having a great time at college. Aww. And if you ever have time and could deign to listen to my podcast, I'd really appreciate it. I'm not going to... Uh, well, this is confusing because then she's not listening to your She has not listened to so it. So she will not hear this shout out. <laughs> no, but if she does listen to it, I'll know because she'll have to text me to hear that I gave her a Okay, that's a good trap. Anyway, uh, she was doing my introduction to Lana Del Rey. My sister has far superior music taste to me. So we went to a concert together. Um, I really... This new album is very dark. Not that all of her stuff is not dark. Uh, oh, no. I was going to say all I know about it, I've listened to no songs, <laughs> I'm not really a Lana Del Rey fan, um, is I saw a headline of an Atlantic article that called it slower and darker than any yes. of her other stuff. Yes. It's very slow. It's very dark. And I think when we listened to her last album, we thought... It could not get any slower or any darker. Mm. I still love it. I think she is very, very unique. I know a lot of people have sort of criticized to say she's like a knockoff. 
Mm -hmm. Amy Winehouse trying to be darker and edgier than she actually is. Yeah, but I think Lana Del Rey just really uh, defies categorization because she's, like, very on stage, very beautiful and ethereal and wears a lot of, like, white, flowy things, but also writes about, like, very deep, dark topics. Mm -hmm. And her songs are always beautiful, but they're always sort of disturbing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that this album... 100% 100% lived up to that expectation. It's a beautiful album. Um, I think she's really, really talented. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, like, the album sort of... Like, a lot of the songs on this album, I they could have fit in well with the songs on her last album. Okay, so there's some continuity. Yeah, and so maybe I haven't listened to it closely enough, but um, I would like to see an album that's very different. Oh. Although her last album was very different from previous albums. I think she just continues getting darker. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But it's a good album. Lana Del Rey is really great. Um, well, well I like her. Wise. I think she's really great music-wise. Yes. talk about is a little bit of shameless self-promotion. Never apologize. Never apologize, as we said in our second episode. Self-promote, <laughs> yeah. self-promote, self-promote. So we want to talk about media outlets for um, women, specifically college-age women, and a new media outlet that I recently started writing for is called The Lala. Everyone check it out. Everyone I like it them out. on Facebook, and I'm glad I did because they, they posted a lot, of really interesting things. a lot of really interesting stuff. And so the idea behind this is that all of the writers are college students from across the U.S., from tons of different universities. Um, and the whole the idea behind it was created by two best friends while they were in college, and then they took it national after they graduated. And the idea behind this is to create an outlet for um, women's media that's going to be empowering, uplifting, and positive. Uh, not not to say they they definitely include really um, hard-hitting issues in their span of things that they write about, mm-hmm. but... The, the point behind it is that a lot of media revolving around women's issues and women in general is negative, and it's not necessarily something that women want to read. So the point of the website and the publication is that it's presenting the, the voice of college women because so many college women are writing for it about things that college women care about, should care about, that kind of thing, and it's really I think it's a really great idea behind it. I'm super excited to start writing for it. Excited to read your work. Uh, yes. Um, and then it's not the only one of his kind. There's another um, online publication called Her Campus. Yes. And Her Campus has branches at a lot of different universities as well. There's one here at our campus. And Her Campus is a self-described global community for college women. Um, again, everything is written by college journalists. You can get involved um, on your own campus. They have a lot of different feature articles from everything like style, beauty, health, career, LGBTQ issues, um, and real-world content that you submit um, as a contributor every week or every other week. It's um, Both of these are 
uh, really great outlets if you're looking for things to read and also really great ways to get involved in journalism. So go oh, yeah. apply. Now, is there a big difference between the two or are they basically producing similar content? I think they're producing I think they're producing similar content. Okay. I think the main difference is that her campus is um, so they have their main website, but there's also a her campus website that's specific to different universities that have chapters. Oh, okay. Whereas, so the chapter thing, I think, is the biggest. Yeah, exactly. You have a chapter, and you really work closely with your chapter on your campus. Whereas the idea behind the Lala is that it's more of a national community. Right. So you work directly with the two women who started it, rather than with maybe the president of the chapter on your campus. Okay. Yeah. And I think is that just due to the fact that. Um, her campus is a little more established than the Lala. Yeah, the Lala is fairly new, and her campus has been around for a really long time. They're both really, really great. Obviously, shout out to the Lala. I am super excited to <laughs> start writing for them. Um, but yeah, really great way to read about all sorts of issues, interesting topics, that kind of thing. Yeah, an awesome resource. Awesome resource. Plus, I'm going to write for it, so look out for my articles. Everybody read them. We will share them. Okay, so that that's our episode, the fourth episode of Bottom Shelf. We are now actively on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Please follow us on Twitter. We have probably already followed you on Twitter and have been offended that you didn't follow us back. Um, let us know topics you'd like us to discuss. Yeah, seriously interact with us. We have also made an Instagram. It's yeah. Sort of an unofficial competition between Maeve and I. Maeve is in charge of the Twitter account and I'm in charge of the Instagram. Yeah. As a result, our Twitter is far more professional, and our Instagram is just sort of the mind <laughs> of a crazy 12-year-old. Um, it's going to be great. So, ooh, if you're looking at that and you're like, boy, mixed branding here, and that's the reason. In all seriousness, if you have something you'd like us to discuss, um, yes. next week we are going to try and have a guest on, on our show. We won't say who it is because it's unconfirmed. Unconfirmed, but it's going to be great, potentially, if they're here. We'd really love to hear... Um, more ideas about what people want to hear us talk about. Yeah. So far, the only person who's put forward any ideas is my brother Sam, and he's actually had great ideas. It was oh, his idea to invite ideas. a guest, and his idea to introduce Amy Schumer as someone who really talks about women's issues. So, yeah. thank you, Sam. You're thank the greatest. You. Everyone else, please start interacting with us. Yeah, and also, if there's like segments that you like more than others, maybe you're like, please stop talking about celebrities so much. <laughs> Or you're like, you're really depressing us with these serious topics. Let us know. We'll take those suggestions into consideration. Yep. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.